This is Bob Merberg. I'm delighted to share this recorded conversation I had with my friend and colleague, Nikki Reynolds. I can go on endlessly about how much I value Nikki's expertise and friendship, but I don't want to delay the real conversation, which, as promised, I think you'll enjoy because it's more like eavesdropping on two friends talking about an important issue that affects all of us, as opposed to a scripted podcast interview. Just a quick reminder, you can find a text excerpt of this recording on the HiHo website, which is hiho.substack.com, H-E-I-G-H-H-O dot substack.com, where you also can subscribe for more spunky evidence-based content about work and well-being. There you'll also find the links Nikki and I mention in our conversation, including one to the preceding post about our topic of the day, unpaid domestic work, which includes a definition, explanation of the impact as it relates to women, including their mental health, financial well-being, and return to office, and how we can view it through the lens of the animated film Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. A few words about Nikki. Nikki is a passionate well-being professional who's built and implemented custom wellness programs for small organizations for over 15 years. In 2022, she founded Inspired Well-Being Solutions, a personal and corporate well-being consulting business. She serves individuals and businesses in the Rochester, New York community and beyond with well-being strategies that are custom, inclusive, and personal. Nikki is an avid outdoor enthusiast in rain, snow, or sunshine alike. She enjoys hiking, fishing, triathlon racing, traveling, cooking, gardening, and boating on New York's many waterways. Her greatest passion, she tells me, is spending time with her husband, Dan, and children, Cole and Iris, her preferred partners for all of life's adventures. Here we go. Nikki Reynolds and me in conversation. I'm here with Nikki Reynolds from Inspired Wellbeing Solutions. Nikki, great to talk with you again. Yes, always a pleasure to speak with you, Bob. So we're talking unpaid domestic labor today. One of the reasons we're talking is you had reached out to me as a, a friend, a colleague, and a HiHo subscriber. And you had seen that I was doing a series about work through the prism of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, the film. And you had suggested doing an article about unpaid domestic work. So for starters, what motivated you to do that? Yeah, as you had mentioned, I had been following along to your Hi-Ho articles, and I really liked using... Snow White as the lens to address some of the organizational issues that you had brought up previously. And I knew that at some point you were planning to dive into Snow White herself. So I think following along in that I haven't watched Snow White and the Seven Dwarves in quite a long time, but the image that's so salient to me is of her, you know, the whistle while you work scene. The Seven Dwarves yeah. are off doing their paid labor which is of great value, and she's home cleaning the house and cooking, you know, upon the return, it's appreciated, but she's not doing the hard work. 
when like tidying up their filthy cottage certainly would have been an arduous day's work. So I knew you were going to get to Snow White at some point. And that image is so ingrained in my head, that scene. And then I think I was also just chatting with someone in my personal life about topics like the mental load and unpaid domestic labor. And I was like, let me reach out to Bob because this might be a new, a neat angle to continue down the path that you were already on. Right. And I recount some of this and give some specifics in an article that I will link to from, I guess I'll do some sort of show notes for this conversation. And I'll link to an article where I talk about Snow White and the domestic labor that she's done because she actually, when the movie opens, she's doing unpaid domestic work for her stepmother queen in the castle. And she escapes to the dwarves cottage and they make a deal with her to let her stay there if she keeps house and cooks for them. And so it's actually a little bit of a theme. And I also, in that article, give some stats about unpaid domestic work so that we don't have to really get that deep into the weeds here. But maybe it is worth, for people who are listening, for whom this might be new territory, what we mean by unpaid domestic labor. This is how I defined it in the article. Unpaid domestic labor, also called unpaid work, can be defined as time and energy expended within a household for the benefit of its members. Activities like caretaking, cooking, cleaning, laundry, and shopping. Does that sound right to you? Yes, and I I also really like how it's you mentioned that definition says the time and energy because in our conversation is going to go down this path, but even when one isn't performing the tasks, there is energy like behind the scenes in terms of remembering, organizing, reminding, scheduling, all of that is not physically doing the work, but certainly taxing for folks busy everyday lives anyways. Yeah. I do want to get into that because that was something you really awakened me to. You know, one thing about the definition, not to pick hairs, but says expended within a household for the benefits of its members. You know, speaking about myself and also my wife, we're involved with elder care that's Mm -hmm. taking place outside of our household. And, And I think that would also count as unpaid domestic work for elders And sometimes I run into people who, for some reason, are taking care of siblings who, especially if they have some sort of health issue and and no other support, and even, interestingly, exes. So when you reached out to me, you also included a link. Mm -hmm. Uh, The link was to a comic called You Should Have Asked that leads us into this conversation about mental load, I don't know how much you remember the comic, if that's something that you can share with people about what that is or why you included that. Yes, I remember it well, because I have I've referenced back to it so many times. I stumbled across it on happenstance years and years ago. I wasn't like researching this topic. I don't know how it came to me or how I came across it, but I it just resonated with me so much that I've gone back to it in years since. And I candidly have, you know, used that my husband and I have had very open conversations about this topic 
you know, I shared the comic with him and we've had great conversations about it. So the comic is by an author, I think we would say. I, I don't know much about the comic world or and our illustrator, I believe, goes by Emma. And the whole premise is outlining a scenario where a couple is invited over to another couple's home for dinner. The, the wife is trying to feed the kids so then the adults can presumably like have their meal later. Things go haywire in the kitchen. The husband walks in and says, you know, you should have asked, I would have helped. So that's the, the point of the title. And it goes on to discuss both in ways that are amusing and funny and I, you know, make you kind of cringe at the same time, how in many households, and of course I'm generalizing, I'm going to be referencing, you know, heterosexual households or husbands and wives or whatever, that they, in many households, many instances, even if a partner, and in this instance, a male partner is willing to help, it, it needs to be explicitly asked of him. And that is the example here. So if we think of a partnership within a home, that relationship really isn't you know, really doesn't reflect a partnership. It more so reflects a hierarchy where the woman in the home is seemed, seemed to have managed, planned every, you know, all the logistics and to-do list taken care of. And the husband engages when things are explicitly asked. And it, and it goes on and on. It's very, very interesting and funny. I certainly encourage listeners and readers to go check it out themselves. And then, you know, I think our conversation will go here too. There's a nice tie-in with some with some correlations to a work life and a work job and how this type of work inside of a home is very different. So what I'm hearing is we defined unpaid domestic labor largely in terms of like the physical chores, caretaking, yep. cooking, cleaning, laundry, which tend to go underappreciated and unrecognized and there is, I would say, an even more unappreciated, less recognized component of unpaid domestic labor, which is the mental load or the invisible family load. As for the comic, I will link to that in what now I find okay. myself calling the show notes. I'll have to figure out what I'm doing with show notes. But the mental demands of addressing families or households, needs, goals, activities, responsibility. So it's that it's those mental demands, remembering, managing, reminding, scheduling, keeping track of, yeah, all those things. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I'm glad you mentioned that. So a big focus of the comic from this opening scene is about the mental load and how right. taxing it is, how it's largely a burden that women carry more so than men. Um, and it goes on from there. Yeah, I'm glad you're you're sort of straightening me out a little bit because what got confusing to me is I think maybe the comic is mostly about broadly speaking unpaid domestic work, but she put that comic in a book and the book is called The Mental Load and I think she expands more on that in other comics. Mm -hmm. But for me, one of the big awakenings was around this topic of mental load. Interested in well-being and have looked into it a little bit. And and speaking for myself, I'm absolutely not an expert on relationships, which this sort of gets into. Yeah. I, I don't think we're saying anything in terms that 
It's like expert advice. But I am curious when you say that often the male partner needs to be asked to do, like, why, why do you think that is? I think the comic outlines, and, and I agree with, I think it is, I think it's one, incredibly complicated, but two, there is so much of our society and our culture that reinforces this concept that, that that's how it works, mm-hmm. that within a household, you know, the woman is in this like managerial position or director position and it it is it's reinforced this idea of delegation you know and i'm sure there's some households where a male partner isn't willing to participate period or may not even ask so yay in the instances where where the partner does but it's very very common to have to give instructions or, or a specific delegation there. And one thing I really love, the comic outlines and says that, you know, if we think about work, when someone is promoted to like a managerial level position or, or a manager, they their task load in terms of what tasks they have to execute are diminished because the scope of the job has changed. And they can't oversee and manage all the projects and at the same time execute on them. Right. And the comic uses that example to say, but in the in a household, oftentimes the woman is seen to need to carry both the manager, director, coordinator, logistical expert role, but at the same time carry the burden of probably doing like 75% of the work. And I think this topic too lends itself really well to another example, this idea of needing to be asked or, or constant delegation. I th- Let's dive into that further in terms of thinking about in the workplace. If someone was managing a team and on their team, there was a team member who constantly needed or came up and said like, well, what should I do now? What do I do next? What should I do now? Or, and, or had to be told, do this project, this needs to be done in the way that someone in a household that may look like saying, the dishwasher needs to be empty, the laundry needs to be folded, this, that, and the other thing, that team member in the work setting would be an underperformer. And they may very well lose their job because they need such continual guidance. So I, I just love to think about, I think, the workplace provides a beautiful analogy in comparison of since, and we're talking about labor. So of what that would look like. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are especially interested in the workplace. That is the paid workplace. And I was sort of thinking about a different sort of comparison, Nikki, because, you know, of course you and I are in circles where we know a lot of, wellness program managers and i don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole but in my experience companies often hire one person to Mm -hmm. do a wellness program and you're expected to be the visionary for the program be the expert and also do all of the legwork 
And so I guess all I would say to apply that to unpaid domestic work is that's hard. That's sort of like an exponentially increased strain, I think, when you're doing all those things. Yeah. And I would piggyback on what you just said. I agree with you completely. And I can say from what you described, one of my experiences was in a very small company. So it was actually quite enjoyable. And what you just described really broke up any monotony in my day because I had to do, you know, you do whatever needs to be done, you know, period. But you, what you just described in the, in the wellness and well-being world professionally, that can be quite a challenge. And keep in mind, we're talking about, uh, and you just referenced a position that was a dedicated wellness position. Right. And you and I both know as well, making it even more challenging, there's oftentimes positions posted that are a, a dual position of yeah. HR benefits. And then, you know, I've read many of these job descriptions. Then the, the last bullet says, and develop and implement a robust wellness strategy in knowing full well that is a job in and of itself that is not a job to be just you know I feel bad for the people that ultimately fill these positions because how could how could the wellness program there one it it sounds like immense stress and an immense burden but I don't know having been in that position in a dedicated role and knowing the workload to feel like I was at least aspiring to do a very thorough job thinking what a what a burden that must be for people in those roles. Absolutely. And we could do a whole episode on this, but maybe I can segue it back into unpaid domestic work by asking you about a study that I saw published within the last couple of months that said that there are three different kinds of, they called it invisible family load. Those are cognitive, which is like remembering to do stuff, management, which is like scheduling stuff or researching, you know, getting the babysitter or, or, or things like that. And emotional and emotional, a lot of emotional is really just worrying. So what these researchers found is that for some people, Having the onus of responsibility for management and cognitive was a positive thing, that they actually had more satisfaction in their family lives and better work performance. It depended on the person and the individual and the circumstances, but it was the emotional component that ultimately took the greatest toll the cognitive and management, like my interpretation of that, and you know, you and I aren't doing research here, we can draw on our anecdotal experiences, is that some people, and I'll say some women, thrive on this on being in charge of the household. So any thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean a lot of things. I by no means, and I'm glad you brought this up because I there's no part of me suggesting that that work is not honorable work or valuable work. You know, the work specifically focused on a household 
or and in quite the opposite. It is, there's certainly much there to take pride in. Um, and I, I fully support, you know, families have all sorts of look different, have all sorts of different arrangements. And I have dear, dear close friends at work who work inside the home, work full-time outside the home. And I by no means would ever insinuate that one of them is harder working than the other. Everybody, you know, all of those things. I know that. However people make it work, I am I am a fan of. I certainly think too that, you know, people gain, find meaning in all sorts of things in life. So who am I to be in a position to say like, well, People can find meaning in all sorts of things, except taking care of a household, you know, that it's like, sure, that sounds, that may very well be what someone feels placed to their strength. And it is in, you know, that is where they want to focus. To me, it really just goes back to the main issue is an issue of value. Is it valued? So if someone thrives in that environment and really feels like, you know, the best thing for their family is to really dive into that, that role of managing the household, then that's wonderful. My argument is that other members of that family, it should be reinforced to value and appreciate that. Society needs to come a long, long way in valuing and appreciating that as well, because we're not quite there yet. Even think of the term, this came to my mind a lot, the term like stay at home, stay at home mom or stay at home dad. I think in my personal interpretation is, I don't know that I, I'm hesitant to say negative, but makes it sound like that sounds like a pleasant day. And I can tell you that, you know, both myself and other moms, I know like it is a full day and a hard day taking care of your kids all day. Like, the, you know, so even just changing the language and the way we refer to these things, I think is, is a, there, we have a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah. That's just such a great point. It's another great crossover to paid employment, the importance of feeling valued and how an employer or a leader or a coworker expresses that value. Because I think sometimes we fall short. Similarly, one of the things I've talked about a lot and, and you're sensitive to and attuned to is autonomy as really sort of a basic human need. And uh, I love what you said about stay-at-home mom, and stay-at-home dad, that language, but you got me thinking. And there was a time when I was a stay-at-home dad. And not only does it suggest that you're leading a life of luxury, or it might be interpreted that way, but it's also sort of suggests that it's abnormal, right? Because mm -hmm. it's like you're staying at home, but it's it's sort of positioning that as a counter to being at work where you should be. You know? Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, we could say like, I wasn't a stay-at-home dad. I was just a dad, you know? Yeah. But, and, and the same thing for moms. Well, Nikki, this is great. We covered a, a lot of ground. We don't want to go too long, but is there anything else pressing on this topic of unpaid domestic work that you want to be sure to share? You know, I think the last thing that's just kind of stuck in my brain is thinking about the audience for HiHo and people in HR positions and well-being positions. So there's a couple of things that come to mind there. One, I think there's always value in trying to better understand your population. 
So if you take nothing else from this or from your article, it's just a lot of people and a lot of women may walk into work that morning with already feeling a significant burden on their shoulders from everything they need to do at home. Sure. So I, I think understanding always serves us well to try to understand people better. So I would just say this is one more reason that someone might feel like that, hey, I don't have the capacity to be engaged with your program right now, whatever it may be. And this is another reason why that could be the case. And also when we think about HR style positions and, and hiring and what we value, I really think of, you know, we know it's common that many women kind of take a step back a little bit from work, however that may look for to dedicate more time to caregiving for, for small children or, you know, aging parents later on, whatever it is. I think we also have a long way to go in. There's many positions where those experiences could still be seen as years of valuable experience from a hiring perspective. So just changing the narrative, someone who steps away from the workplace, but is under immense burden to all the things we've talked about, the management, the logistics, the coordination, they are honing skills. They are just not honing them in a workplace. And those skills could still be very valuable and should be seen as valuable when it comes time for them to re-enter the workforce down the line. And if someone who's in a hiring position, like rather than relying on software, get your eyes on some resumes that would otherwise probably be skipped over and passed through mm -hmm. because there really could be a diamond in the rough that is going to come in with a whole bunch of great skills. They were just not developed in an, an organization. They were developed in the organization of the home. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, great point. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. And and I'll also mention, of course, uh, you know, there are a lot of people who are doing domestic unpaid work who are not part of the workforce, don't want to be part of the workforce, will never be part of the workforce. And a lot of this applies to them as well. In the article, I also talk about the economic implications of that. For the unpaid domestic worker, how much that adds up to over a lifetime, and it can be very significant really across the socioeconomic spectrum. So, Nikki, thank you for bringing that up. So, so Nikki Reynolds, N-I-K-K-I, if people want to learn more about you or maybe reach out to you, is there a way they can do that? Yes. As you mentioned, my business is called Inspired Wellbeing Solutions. You can contact me directly through the website. So that's www.inspiredwellbeingsolutions, all one word, no hyphens or anything like that, .com. I can also be found on LinkedIn. I check that frequently and message there as well. So great. that would be great. Absolutely. Yeah, I encourage people to do that. You and I have known each other and worked with each other for a long time. And I think if someone is interested in doing anything along the lines of well-being, you should be the first on their list to go to. I'll also share with listeners to subscribe to the HiHo newsletter, which is H-E-I-G-H-H-O dot substack dot com. And it comes out at this point bi-weekly. And you can get more content like this and, and about work, workers, 
and employee well-being. Nikki, thank you so much. It's been great. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Bob. Great to see you, King, with you. Thank you.